Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters. I'm joined by Connor Brother. and Josh. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about politics is beyond parody. Somehow Doctor Who gets even worse and the fact that it will never be enough. So it's going to be a good day. But uh, we don't have any announcements to make, so that's nice. And I'm, oh, wow. I'm ill, so excuse me if I kind of shut up a bit because I don't feel great. So we're just going to get into the news. Okay. So what I'm going to be talking about today is something that I've noticed recently. And of course, politics has always been a bit ridiculous, um, at least as far as I can remember within my lifetime. But in the past few weeks, maybe past couple of months, I've just noticed a ramp up in ridiculousness. I wanted to focus on this. And I don't know whether either of you have seen this film, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But basically, the premise is Jack Nicholson's character, um, Randall McMurphy, sorry almost got his name wrong, um, feigns insanity to avoid prison time and ends up in a psychiatric hospital. And through the course of the film, through his contact with the people in the psychiatric hospital and the institution itself kind of dehumanizing him, he slowly gets driven to the brink of insanity anyway. And rather than it just being, you know, the insane asylums, if you will, or psychiatric hospitals, whatever you want to call them, I think there's a certain case to be made that our civil institutions as well are doing a similar thing and driving people a bit mental. Um, this is Chris Rufo's idea of cluster B personality, of where all of the avenues towards enriching yourself, getting famous, it skews towards the narcissistic and psychopathic. So even normal people start adopting maladaptive traits to try and get ahead. So it just amasses the amount of mm-hmm. socially contagious mental illnesses. Yeah, and there's there's certainly an element of that um, going on. I think as well, just the fact that institutions in general, like the government, the justice system, and you know whichever one you can point at, are becoming increasingly unhinged. And I think that it's had some sort of effect on society. I'm not sure it's you know the driving force of a lot of the ills we see today, but it's just something to consider. I think. So it's not quite politics is downstream stupid. Not quite, but there's certainly an element of that. Come on, Um, so. You might remember um, a bunch of these articles, um, like meet the professional refugees lucky to get the minimum wage in the UK. And it says they are professionals in their own countries, lawyers, doctors, academics, and you get other ones. Like, yeah, I was I about know. to say, that's not what I thought it was. I thought it was the people that are being paid to sit in a hotel while also doing cash only work for delivery. Yeah, well, that's actually what's going on. We've witnessed it firsthand in Swindon, <coughs> as well as the fact, I think the Telegraph broke a story today saying that that's going on. So, yes. Um, here's another one. Trained medics who could ease the NHS crisis stuck in asylum limbo. So they're actually going with the doctors, lawyers, engineers. Mm-hmm. These are, um, well, this one's from April of this year, but these are sort of older articles that have triggered the doctors and engineers or doctors and lawyers meme of um, whenever you see a migrant boat, oh, here is our newest batch of doctors and lawyers, because, of course, this is a comment on the fact that the left are trying to dress them up as all of these professionals, they're just, uh, you know, experts. They're all academics, really. I can't wait for the delivery drivers to stop wearing lab coats as they're going along. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like Spectre Gadget. Mm. Bunch of them are in suits and ties going yeah. to court. <laughs> you actually see them in the dinghies with um, microscopes and... Uh, <laughs> little test tubes full of green and red. They've got copies of the Magna Carta there. They're ready to practice law in Britain. Um, of course, this isn't the case. And in fact, many of them are... Um, not qualified, unskilled, and don't even reach a, a, I suppose, a secondary school or what Americans might call a high school education. I don't know. A lot of those Albanians are quite qualified in chemistry. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And uh, they're very good at logistics and distribution as well, aren't they? Um, 
Here's another one as well. Um, this is from CNN in 2016. From Syrian refugee to US doctor, he helps shape teens' dreams. And of course, they're, they're basically taking an individual exceptional case to give people an impression of what the, the whole is, because people are very bad at calculating probability and um, statistical likelihood and knowing about um, whether exceptions define the rule and things like that. And so this is a sort of rhetorical technique to get people to support um, migrants because they, their, their first sort of case that they call to mind is the exception rather than the norm. Right. Let's do this exact game with the Manchester Arena bomber and the Reading Stabber. Mm -hmm. But then the, the meme became reality with this article in the Times recently. Some children dream of becoming doctors and engineers. And for some reason, the, uh, the Times, which is uh, a British um, establishment newspaper, quite it's Murdoch owned. It's Murdoch owned, so you know it's. What's that kid doing? See the one on the bottom right there. <laughs> it looks like he's very um, sort of. It's like a, a 1950s sort of greaser, kind of laid back, but kind of going <laughs> hand up at the same time. Well, I was going to say, you know, you know, when they would go to remote locations and people were worried that having your photograph taken is having your soul being stolen. Mm -hmm. He's looking at the cameraman with the same level of contempt. <laughs> Oh, that, that one there. Yeah, right? the yeah. one who was like, I hate, I hate journalists more than you can comprehend. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one base kid in the class. Clearly. Justifiable. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the running story is, for some reason, just like, yes, children in Sierra Leone taught in what looks like corrugated iron shacks dream of a better future. I mean, I, I don't know whether this is news to anyone, that people who are in actual real world poverty rather than the Western version of poverty, which means having a car and a flat screen TV. Um, yeah, of course they want a better life, but why, why are they doing this? Have you they've, seen, they've literally lent into the meme here. Have you seen what's on the board? I no. can see the word humanitarian goals brings about peace and unity. This is UN sustainable development <laughs> program stuff. So this is the, the global homogenization agenda. So they, they basically caught them in the act of indoctrinating these, these poor Poor kids well, in Times, both senses of the word. Poor. Times Radio does actually employ UN Sustainable Development Goals ambassadors. Henry Henry Bonsu, who's got like the late night show, is is one of the UN ambassadors. He's also one of the worst smear merchants you could imagine. But um, yeah, I just thought it funny that you know we we had this meme of you know they're all doctors and engineers, and now the Times is running the actual article where they're saying yes, they all want to be doctors and engineers. So it's actually becoming a thing, and it, it's it's just absurd to me. But this is the probably the least ridiculous thing so far. The one that I thought was one of the, the most egregious was this from The Economist. By the way, I hate The Economist with a passion. They're terrible. Um, what a third world war would mean for investors. <laughs> Lockheed Martin, <laughs> Boeing, just rubbing their hands. I mean, it, 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 it's just so ridiculous. Basically, the premise of the argument is Russia is at war with Ukraine. Israel is at war with Palestine. Therefore, there is World War Three on the way which is like a child's understanding of geopolitics, isn't it? Just like, oh, right, so there's going to be entire planetary nuclear Armageddon um, because of these two conflicts. Okay. You're not more concerned with how on earth do you make money out of that? Yeah. Like if like, the East and the West no longer exist because of the radiation. Mm -hmm. Well, it's inherently ridiculous, isn't it? Because this would be an utter tragedy. Is why I think a, a third world war wouldn't, be incredibly unlikely to happen because we're at a point now where our weapons are so good that all life on earth could be ceased if this happened or at least it would be 
scarcely resembling um, the life we once had. I think the only thing that they could possibly suggest is, oh, maybe they invest in vaults and save up their bottle caps. I don't know. Not, not even that. I, I think this is a sort of signal to the military industrial complex to do prolonged conflicts, which ensure that you have got a guaranteed customer base rather than rapidly escalate the conflict into some sort of global war. This is why uh, Nikki, Nikki Haley, who's running for Republican presidential candidate, which she won't get, but immediately after leaving the UN, she went and joined the board of Boeing and has now jumped into the Republican race mm -hmm. and is only talking about Ukraine and Israel. She's it's like the Raytheon candidate, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, that's not all. Um, anyone with a, a smidgen of an understanding of economics knows that this next one is ridiculous. Um, here's The Atlantic recently saying, inflation is your fault. Um, more specifically, Annie Lowry, um, a journalist at The Atlantic, of course, uh, a single journalist is not necessarily the opinion of the entire institution, but if it's The Atlantic, we can safely assume that they're all morons. They were subsidized by Zuckerberg's NGO to do very lockdown positive pandemic coverage mm -hmm. during COVID. So they are a morally bankrupt outlet. Oh yeah, definitely. So it's worth mentioning as well that Annie Lowry um, is married to Ezra Klein, the co-founder of Vox. So obviously they're very well-to-do. Um, Local leftists don't know what economics is. It's funny that, isn't it? And also it's just like rich person blames average person for inflation. Was Ezra Klein the fellow who said America could have a billion people and there'd be no problems? Sounds like something he might say. I'm trying to remember if it was exactly him, but I feel like he wrote an article that actually said that before. But, the, but this, this is just typical trickery because it's obfuscating the role that the Federal Reserve and mm -hmm. government it's not anything. has. Just like you buy a watch, you cause inflation. It's, it's, yeah, the, the actual, yeah, the actual byline is, if people are so mad about high prices, why do they keep on buying so many expensive things? Which sounds like, to my mind, Something I would have said as like satire. If you're like, homeless, just buy a house. You just like, don't uh, know what this is. It's like um, the edited version of that Paris Hilton picture where she's wearing the, the shirt that just says, don't be poor. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's, that's not a real picture, but I, I am a fan of this, the sentiment. Um, no, I'm, I'm joking. Isn't, inflation um, isn't even about prices. It's the rate at which prices increase because the money supply is outstripping the amount of goods. Mm -hmm. It's not the fault of the goods or the consumers. It's the fault of the money printer. My goodness, economic literacy. What, what a blessing in this, yeah, and this I'm day a and age. Bloody idiot. <laughs> I know, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to read an, another little bit um, because it, it just speaks to the level of delusion we're at at the minute. People hate inflation, just not enough to spend less. This is one of the central tensions of today's economy, is it? Um, in which things are going, to, <laughs> going great, yet everyone is miserable. Have you, have you looked at a graph recently? They're all down. Do you, do you know anything about what you're talking about? The economy's not in a good place um, in, in any Western country. She's out of her mind. Um, in some ways, Americans have nobody to blame but themselves. That line, could you imagine that? The economy's bad because it's you. It's you buying the things that you want with your money and it's all your fault. Yeah, it wasn't the Federal Reserve printing about 33% of all dollars that have ever existed in the last two or three years. I mean... <laughs> It's like it's it's almost like denying that fiscal policy exists at all. It's just like yeah, this this thing that the government does controls the economy, basically, um, close to Soviet Union 
levels of economic control, but no, it's your fault. It's industrial-scale gaslighting mm-hmm. on behalf of the regime. And um, I'm not done raking this lady over the coals yet because she also did this recently. This was in um, late November, I think, but I, I didn't see it at the time. It'll never be a good time to buy a house. Remember, she's pretty well-to-do, right? And she says, Brooklyn has... Um, I'll, I'll scroll down, actually, so you can read it. Um, That's one of the pretty house. <laughs> it looks like a Monopoly house, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but she says, um, Brooklyn has 1.1 um, 1 million housing units. Just a dozen of them seem fit, um, um, seem to fit Sorry, our requirements and were sitting on the market. All of the options were too expensive, and that was before factoring in the obscene cost of a mortgage. So this is a wealthy person complaining about living in New York, you know, known for being quite difficult to find property, which is partly because New York has rent controls, um, which disincentivizes the development of profitable housing. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I can't speak. Um, which is why it's one of the most expensive American cities in all of America, right? Also just population density, proximity to places like Wall Street and Times Square, where you have upper echelon level earnings positions relative mm-hmm. to the amount of people that can live there. It's basic supply and demand. But then see last article of why she doesn't understand that. And, and also... You know that, that she's talking like she's an average person. Like this is just what's typical of everyone. And she's also got the caveat of, well, suitable for our needs. Well, maybe your needs were not realistic. You know, that's, they have kids, so they mentioned oh, yeah, dogs, kids, and husband. There we go. Mm-hmm. Right. It's funny how they're listed in that order, isn't it? Mm. Dogs, kids, yeah. and husband. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the hierarchy from a female perspective in many a household these days, unfortunately. And. Um, I've also seen increasingly um, large amounts of things like this, um, which obviously I don't need to point out why this is silly. Well, I think you do because the British government banned Lauren Southern from the UK for this. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, I suppose it's, it's now Labour Party policy. But um, yeah, Allah loves equality so much that um, enforcers of Sharia law in Afghanistan, I, I know this is a place fond, um, close to your heart, Callum, um, <laughs> The Taliban have banned women from national parks in Afghanistan. They're so... It's like the inverse of the Yellowstone meme. Like the Yellowstone meme is progressivism wearing the conservative skin suit. Like the Second Amendment only exists to protect our gays. Yeehaw. And they're dressed up like cowboys on the pedalos (laughs) (laughs) while while being the most Islamic possible. Um, I think this image is not from modern times because you can see the women with their... Uh, not coverings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this is a bunch of Americans who actually went to Afghanistan because, uh, yeah, I don't think any journalists have gone to take new pictures. That is hilarious. <laughs> but um, the, the funny thing is that they say minister says women visiting the lakes of uh, Bandi Amir um, have not been wearing their hijabs properly, therefore they're all banned. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is the equality that the left wants. I mean, I, I did have, so I tweeted out this thing the other day because Piers Morgan had some delusional NHS doctor on saying that Hamas is not a terrorist organization. And I just said, look, I'm taking the Douglas Murray position. I don't want this man in my country. I shouldn't be forced to pay my, to work so that my wages are taxed to pay for his salary in his house. You should not be here if you fundamentally want to transform Britain. And that apprentice woman, Bush Rasheikh, who's just an Islamist apologist and Andrew Tate ass kisser, just said, well, you can leave. It's like, no, I was born here. I'm entitled to live here. I've got no other home to go to and I don't want to fundamentally transform it. The next day, she says, no country in the world practices Sharia because if actually they did practice Sharia, we'd all want to move there because it'd be the best place ever. 
Well, you know what, love? Um, engagement farming your way into a burqa and then being banned from a national park is a weird way to try and get Twitter monetization, but mm. good luck. I also find it strange that um, people argue, you know, colonialism is bad because it, indigenous people have a right to their land, except when it comes to uh, the Northern Hemisphere, apparently. Mm. It's only when it's the, the global south. It's funny double standard, that, isn't it's, it? It's not about hypocrisy. It's about hierarchy. It's just about yeah. racial dominance. It is, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. So it's also worth mentioning as well, this was published in The Guardian and it was three months ago. So, you know, all these people that are parading around with just like, yes, Allah loves equality. Um, well, you know, they've had ample opportunity. Even their own um, partisan newspapers are publishing stories that could greet them with the reality of the situation. But they're so deluded by uh, their, their sort of ideological possession that they're not even willing to concede that actually there are some real people who um, by their standards would be considered misogynists and they could actually have some legitimate targets. But no, they, they would rather go on a, a sort of witch hunt in their own country because it's easier. And then you get stuff like this. So you get this gentleman who is a sort of establishment journalist. So you've got Brian Krasenstein saying, Say what you will about X, but where else do you randomly see Elon Musk, Alex Jones, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Andrew Tate having a live conversation on a whim? And this uh, supposedly award-winning journalist says at a KKK rally. Yeah, maybe in a Dave Chappelle skit. I mean, mm. Andrew Tate's half black and a Muslim. Which Tristan Tate, his brother, points out. And then he shares this saying, skin color doesn't stop someone from being a sexist, racist, racist piece of garbage. True. It does stop you attending clan rallies, though. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah. it's kind of a it's kind of a prerequisite. <laughs> but I'm amazed that someone who can rise to these levels of, of sort of uh, establishment esteem, even or or even just you know have a public facing job, can say stuff like this and and succeed, even um, in the times where there there have been obvious double standards. At least when something this egregious has gone on, they kind of go, oh, well, this kind of makes us look bad, kind of get behind the other people, be quiet for a bit. It's not happening anymore. This the insanity is out in the open. This is the thing. This sort of stuff is so delusional that I don't know if your brain is just broken or if you're just doing this to because you're paid, like Brooklyn Dad Defiant, or just you're trying to clickbait an engagement farm. Like I, I, I think have the guy's no actually idea. delusional, to I, be honest. I, I, mm -hmm. Here's another one. So... Um, the BBC did this article about just uh, a small trend. I didn't even see this on Twitter, so it must have been relatively obscure, of the term UK beast. Um, why is the friend trending on social media? Did Lizzo do a tour here? Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but apparently, um, the BBC says some black women say they are being singled out. Um, Nella Rose was called the term after a row with um, Fred, what's his name, the French fella, when I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, which uh, if you're not, from Britain is a, a silly game show where a bunch of celebrities go into the jungle and do disgusting things. Um, but according to an entry in um, Urban Dictionary, it means masculine and rude woman. Um, one of the earliest uses of the phrase can be traced back to 2022 um, where in a viral post where a man appears to hand out lollipops to women on a French street. And this is a direct quote. Look at how attractive and feminine French women are compared to the beasts in the UK. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. He's insulting our women. Well, yeah, but it's not new. UK women are attractive. We used to say this about German women. That was mm. the old trope before the age of mass migration. Mm. Because you know the German women, they're all kind of manly and hairy. Mm. But it's not new, but because our precious blacks 
we just can't say anything bad about them ever. Okay, cool. But also the the origin of the phrase, the Urban Dictionary definition, which I mean, I trust Urban Dictionary over the Oxford English Dictionary these days. Both do not single out black women, and yet black women are most affected. It's like when they said alien versus predator is racist because the predator has dreads and the alien is something to do with welfare queens having too many kids. And it's like, I never saw it that way. Why did you, why did you, why did you see yourself in this? It's very strange. It's similar to the Warhammer thing and the Tolkien thing where they try and say yes. that, that orcs are a, a certain group of people. And I'm just like, hang on a minute. They speak yeah. with Cockney accents. <laughs> <laughs> Despite making up 13% of the Middle Earth population, they make up 89% of Sauron's forces. <coughs> that, that's, that statistic surprisingly accurate for the, the Tolkien lore as well. That's, you thought about this, Connor. <laughs> I saw it so, on a Twitter post earlier. I've just stolen it. Okay. So then, of course, uh, Dr. Schola, who is, um, of course, um, one of the chief race scholars in the UK, um, says UK beast is another derogatory and dehumanizing term to refer to black women as animals, ugly and subhuman. Nella Rose was specifically targeted with the use of the term. Well, looking at the origin of it, um, that's not what it means. Um, also, she was really annoying in the program and people were annoyed at her. If she were nice, people wouldn't have minded. She wasn't the only person with um, you know, ethnic ethnicity in there. And as long as people were nice, people were nice about them. That's kind of how it worked. Well, I can just use the phrases aggravating, entitled, and stupid, and they also apply to Dr. Shola. So, <laughs> so um, I probably shouldn't play this one because it might get us in trouble if we post the clips. But basically, th there was also this of all of the Harvard professors. I think Carl covered it yesterday, but it deserves an honorable mention where they're just like um, calls to genocide um, a, a certain group of people in a conflict at the minute. Um, is this something that is considered hate speech or whatever? And they Against were, the university terms and conditions. And they said, it's dependent on the context. Yeah. It's like, right, okay. So when in 2016, the Berkeley riots over Milo and Ben saying nothing even remotely close to this, that was, that was mm -hmm. so unbearable that people needed to get hit in the head with bike locks and streets needed to be set on fire. But no, suddenly a, a bunch of people that turned up on, on your campus yesterday and decide to say that, that we should do something unsavory to all Jews. Well, we have to consider how they might feel about that. Well, my, my point here is more that it, it's funny how much these people are willing to bend over backwards when the calls to violence or what have you are on their side. You know, it's from the political left um, or it's from Muslims and therefore it's okay. And, and they've got to say, yes, actually calling for genocide, that's not, that's not bad. That's, that's good now, apparently, according to some of the senior women in, in university campus stuff. I don't know. I don't really know their positions. I kind of think they're pathetic. They're, they're the heads of Penn and Harvard. They're the like, senior administrators. Oh, and all ladies. That's interesting. And uh, on the topic of, of ladies, um, feminism and, and this. Um, it, it's got to this yep. point now. This is all the way back in June, but I don't think we ever talked about it, did we? So I wanted to mention it because it's, it ties in nicely to the theme. The women tackling the woeful diversity in plumbing and what is the traumatic experience that is the onus for covering this story? Um, an overabundance of exclusively male plumbers cracks? <laughs> I like that answer. That's better than the actual answer. Um, so BBC says, Leah Robinson was hard at work at our customer's house setting up the heating. The customer in question was moving in a single man um, with his own place. 
again and again. Someone working for the removal firm passed uh, Robson as she toiled and asked, where do you want this then? Three times she found herself having to explain, it's not my house, I'm not married to the man who's moving in, I'm just fixing the heating. Um, and apparently that's enough for her to go to the BBC and say, oh, this is, this is terrible. Well, that's enough we need more women in plumbing. That's enough for the BBC to use our license fee money, which we're forced to pay, to seek her out to give her a puff piece. Mm-hmm. So uh, a delivery person makes an honest mistake because nine times out of ten, if they're delivering plumbing supplies, well, actually, we have the data, so I can give you the exact figures. So the proportion of women plumbers um, is 1.9% in 2021 and 2.4% in 2022. So it's gone up by 0.5%, probably by some sort of NGO pressure, I don't know. Well, clearly, if you must see it in order to be it, we have to trans Mario. Mm -hmm. So, yes. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, more men are plumbers because more men are drawn to plumbing. That's it. Yeah, but this is this is all of these sort of niche Leave your accounts. sides out of this. <laughs> they're, they're just consciousness raising exercises. It's to create, it's to manufacture a consensus of stories that you can manufacture consent for policies so that certain people who are mediocre can empower themselves with money and unearned status. Talking about people who've uh, empowered themselves with money and unearned status, Piers Morgan. Um, here he was asking Zuby if Nick Fuentes should be allowed back on Twitter, and. It's worth mentioning, Piers Morgan's show is called Piers Morgan Uncensored. And Piers Morgan in this interview, I'm not going to play it because you have to listen to Piers Morgan, and I would never do that to people. Um, He argues that um, Nick Fuentes uses things like hate speech in his arguments, and therefore hate speech bad, and therefore Nick Fuentes bad, and you shouldn't be allowed on Twitter. Well, this is the the thing with this, and and I saw someone tweet it out in response to Zuby's clip. If Piers was just playing devil's advocate on his show, it would be totally fine because he does the same to a bunch of Islamists. He even asks questions to Douglas Murray who repeatedly goes on. You get good clips out of it. The problem is when Piers then goes on Twitter and starts whining about Alex Jones saying that uh, he got Sandy Hook wrong and he's been in a defamation lawsuit and he's had to pay loads of money. Therefore, so he spoke he never to, be allowed uh, to speak again. Count Dankula about that, didn't he? He did, yeah. So if he just did it on his show playing devil's advocate, it would be a maybe valuable role if you can stand to listen to Piers. Versus going on and whining on about Twitter. No, these are his sincere opinions. So, uh, my point being that his entire show is called Piers Morgan Uncensored, and he's explicitly saying people should be censored. I mean, what kind of world do we live in where that, that people lack this level of self-awareness? I mean, it's not like he doesn't have staff around him that could say, "Hang on a minute, Piers, aren't you meant to be, you know, a defender of free speech?" Yeah. No. He doesn't. No, he's been on like, there before. Haven't well, you? no, no, no. It's just uh, I'm not even saying like specific people. I'm saying. Imagine being some poorly paid runner at Talk TV versus Piers Morgan who's paid 80 million for his show, who's mates with that the, much. Ridiculous. Who's mates with higher ups who basically can't be kicked off air. And you're going to go and say, oh, mate, I don't think your show is really living up to its value. You're going to be sacked tomorrow, aren't you? <laughs> you're, you're not going to be able to do anything because the level of ego and power is just way above your station. Mm-hmm. But that is my review of just the recent absurdities. It's, a, I suppose, a. A skin suit of this week in stupid, if you will. But um, yes, the world is going slowly insane, and um, there it is. It's funny you mentioned skin suits. Right, boys. Turns <laughs> out that uh, Doctor Who's 60th anniversary specials went from bad to worse somehow. So we already watched the Star Beast. I subjected you to that 
incinerated all of our childhoods at once and everyone saw the light die in your eyes. Callum, I'm so sorry. Well, I decided- What little take, was left, yeah. Yeah, a man who had absolutely no hope finds he has even more hope to lose. I'm even killing you yeah. slowly with this. Mm. I mean, thankfully, just a bit of a spoiler, I did see some of the clips going around of what they put out and it isn't affecting me at all this time around because as correctly put, it's dead. You killed it. You've yep. got natural now, immunity now. Well, it's, it's, it's just pure fan fiction at this point. It's not just fan fiction from within the Doctor, it's fan fiction to actual British history, it turns out. So we kicked off with Wild Blue Yonder, which was a filler episode within three mini-episode specials. And I can complain endlessly about the dull plot and the bad acting and the fact that it cements the flux from Jodie Whittaker's era in the Timeless Children episode, which completely destroys the Doctor's history. Wait, do you know about that by any chance? I gave up. Is, is that the one where they claim that the Doctor can actually regenerate a million times and he was originally a black girl? Yes, yeah, so basically what happened was there was a black Doctor girl. Who was originally a black man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right! <laughs> there was a black girl at a spaceport that gets abducted by a scientist and the black girl <coughs> is playing on a cliff edge. I don't blame you. I'd have this reaction to. Falls off, dies, a scientist resurrects her then subjects her to endless experiments to create regeneration and so the Doctor is the first Time Lord but William Hartnell wasn't the first Doctor. And so the Doctor has always been some sort of diverse secret sleeper agent who also ends up blowing up planets. It's just painfully bad. This is like lessons in sort of fantasy and sci-fi writing of, uh, it's like the quintessential example of just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, you know, as a scientist, that phrase pains me to, to say it out loud. But also there's this obsession. This is why so many characters don't have parents, this is why so many characters have vague origins, and this is the accusation towards the Mary Sue character who seems to come out of the ether but also be beloved and can do everything like Ray. It's for narcissistic bad writers and the kinds of weak people who need to be seen on screen to feel validated, to project themselves onto. But characters aren't characters anymore. They're these blank slate empty vessels for whoever like weak-minded people need to feel validated or familiar with them. Well, if your characters are just a vehicle for you to work out your personal insecurities, you're a bad writer yes. and a bad person, yeah. and you should feel bad. Yeah, but this is why they say representation matters, and as you pointed out last time, this is why every single villain therefore boils down to straight white guy, because they think just all straight white guys are villains, therefore it has to fit the villain, like Davros. All right, so with Wild Blue Leonda, was he ever white? Just thinking about it for a minute. I don't think he actually was. He, he was more like someone who's he, been hanging out in Gibraltar for 10 years. Well, technically, <laughs> no, because his flesh was British decaying. expat. I mean, he was yeah. in, in uh, Magician's Apprentice and Witch is Familiar. You do see the Doctor go back in time and meet like Kid Davros. Okay. So he's just a... Like, but that's, that's fine. But then you didn't need to say like, him being in the Dalek thing was representing all wheelchair users. And therefore, by taking him out of the wheelchair, he now represents all white guys. Hmm. Okay, whatever. But speaking of representation, and speaking of white guys, who, who do we historically think might be a, a, a good, good white guy in British history to look up to? I mean, they've already done Robin Hood in this show, right? Um, they've already done the Vikings. I think, I think maybe... <laughs> the Vikings are not good to look up to. No, but, but you know, <laughs> prominent historical figures. They decided to include Isaac Newton in this episode for, for essentially no reason as well, because it doesn't okay. connect to the rest of the plot. Because they go onto some sort of spaceship and then they get their doppelgangers that follow them around with really bad CGI. But this is the opening to episode two. It looks uh, like it's record, um, filmed in Bath as well. It looks lovely. Oh. Lovely uh, Bath limestone. Well, it, it looks lovely in, until a few Sorry. seconds. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> some Bath nationalism there. I'm not from there. 
day, sir. England at its finest. I think I shall hie me to yonder apple tree, there to contemplate the mysteries of God's universe. <laughs> well, don't come back until you've had a Hang very on a good minute. idea, sir. I shan't. Good day, Mrs. Meridue. He looks a bit different than his paintings, doesn't he? Yeah, a bit, bit more swarthy. Is there a shortage of light brown ink in 1666? Of course. Odds, Bodkins, what the devil? Sorry, we're just slightly out of control. My friend Donna, this is Donna, Donna Noble. Ah, oh, she just dropped some coffee into the console. But don't worry, he's got a time machine, which means he can blame me for all eternity. I just need to triangulate. Could you tell me what year this is? It's 1666. Oh, stay away from London. Wait a minute. Apple tree, apple. Man holding an apple in 1666. Are you Sir Isaac Newton? Sir Isaac. Obviously not. Every, everything about that was ridiculous. It's just really poorly acted as well. Poorly really acted, terrible. poorly written, yeah. poorly cast. Even the shots aren't very good. I know. Mm. I mean, sincerely. <laughs> it's over just from the leaves. Yeah, it's oversaturated, really wide angle. It's not... It's, it's been Disneyfied. I do, I do agree with that. People think that high production value just means more CGI, more saturation, and just packing it with jokes as well, for some reason. It's the Marvel formula. So, soulless, but... For anyone who doesn't know, Isaac Newton was not a black man. Well, nor is that's he. That's not right. <laughs> so that's that's a bit, just a bit frustrating. Is, is, and is he? I thought he was a, an Indian fella. I don't know. It, it's difficult to tell. I, I don't Isaac know. Newton was not racially ambiguous. Yeah, he's, he, he was. I think I think he was English. Um, there were mm. there were some people that were just saying, "Oh, why do you care about this?" And I did just want to point out that. So I did a tweet, and it made the rounds. And the reason is. They obviously cared about it enough to change it. But the frustration with this is that they're reaching through the screen and slapping me with their racialized propaganda. Um, it comes back to that quote that we've both mentioned before from Stephen Moffat about the Frost Fair episode in season 10, which is, we have to tell a kind of lie and we have to put black people historically where they weren't because we want to say that this was better. So we've got to create a fictional history. It's like, if you're doing that, then you've just gone mad and you're just mm -hmm. making rubbish art. Now... Unfortunately, revisionism is not just confined to the race of certain British historical characters. It's also confined to the sexuality of certain Doctor Who characters. So it's funny. Russell T. Davies once said that no straight actor should play a gay character. Now, as far as I know, David Tennant is married with kids. And his doctor fell in love with Rose Tyler. That's why he gave a opposite version of him to live on the parallel earth with her forever. And it was really sweet, right? Um, turns out he's come back in his reincarnation with some slightly different preferences. Was it me or was Isaac Newton hot? He was, wasn't he? He was so hot. Oh. Is that who I am now? Well, it was never that far from the surface, mate. Yeah, it was. It was pretty far from the surface when you snogged Rose Tyler. 
This is what I mean. Like that is such utter fan fiction. It's yeah. like a, a square shape trying to be rammed for a, a circular hole, right? You probably shouldn't have mentioned that just after he came out the closet. Yeah, that wasn't the best choice of phrase, but it's somewhat fitting. Unlike but, their their propaganda. Um, there's someone who sort of knows the the fandom. Like there was definitely a massive divide between people who liked Doctor Who, yeah. radically. Which is there are people who loved collecting it and whatnot. You know, kids who grew up with that era, the new one. And then there were the Tumblr people. Yes. Overwhelmingly, like Americans who were like, oh, I love Britain so much, and I love pronouns for some bloody reason, like leftist Americans. And then there's a, a whole host of them who are British as well, don't get me wrong. And those people seem to have taken over handling the cameras, writing the scripts for all the episodes. And that's why it ended up like that. So I, I know a few things about that. Number one, Tumblr, where you can make <laughs> mood boards of your certain interests. Loads of the gifts that would go viral were always the relationship heavy ones. So it was this sort of percolation of living vicariously through the Doctor and his companions, falling in love and being friends. And then you had the rise of the gender stuff at the same time. So they just worlds collided. The reason that happened actually within Doctor Who is not just because of all the times that you've covered before with the BBC hiring based on race and gender, but also because the Doctor Who um, Hooniverse and all of the recording um, accompaniments like the extended universe podcasts and even their magazine were hiring based on the characteristics that they were trying to push in the show. So as soon as Jodie Whittaker became the Doctor, they needed a new female editor for Doctor Who magazine, for example. I, I met the girl that said, this is the reason I was hired. So they took the Tumblr rights and just gave them the jobs. This, for propaganda reasons. This is what I mean by it's actually, it doesn't really affect me that much this time around. Because you're watching it and it's like, this is so amateur on every level, yep. every technical level, every writing level, everything. You just but know it's that just it's not silly. Real- you just know that the, the propaganda is not going to land because they've done such a poor job of uh, veiling it. Yeah. And they've also destroyed the magic of what made it work in the first place, didn't they? The viewing figures are rubbish. They're somewhere down to like Jodie Whittaker's debut episodes, which was still about six million down from the original episodes from Eccleston, Tennant, and Smith. So they're in the toilet. So then that was the first special. There's nothing really worth mentioning in the rest of that special. In the third special, they brought back a character called the Celestial Toymaker. Now, the Celestial Toymaker was from some of the old serials from the first season with William Hartnell. He's played by Michael Goh, not Michael Gove, though he is also a villain. <laughs> Michael Goh was Alfred in the original Batman movies. And this time around, he's played by Neil Patrick Harris, who decided to put on a German accent through the whole thing. So it's, you know, it's really offensive to do stereotypes about wheelchair users, but apparently not about Germans, perpetually. But that's because Russell T. Davies can only ever think of every villain being the mid-century Germans. But, but, but fine. There was actually controversy about this. Because in the episode, David Tennant references his old name. He's just called Toymaker here. He said, we could be celestial, offering in the bargain to say, if you stop playing your games and stop destroying the world, we can travel in the TARDIS together. Everyone got upset and called David Tennant a racist, because it turns out he was called Celestial Toymaker because he was dressed like a Chinese Mandarin. And Celestial was a an old slur, apparently, to refer to the Chinese. I've never heard of that. There's a Wikipedia normally pretty entry on clued it. into these sorts of things. I, I've read every entry for racism on Wikipedia, <laughs> and I don't even know about it. Damn right. <laughs> no, but but the Chinese don't view celestial as a bad term. Like they they refer to um, some it just of their doesn't it? it? They refer to some of their heroes as like the celestial dragon. That's the literal translation of some of their names. John will be able to confirm to us. He's, he's saying yes. Yeah, but it's so because it's because a white guy played it. That's it. So now David Tennant's a racist, apparently. So again, progressive cannibalism all the way around. Now, the episode was rubbish. Just going to put it out there. They copied essentially the master from season three. So the Toymaker's plan 
is to put a subliminal message with like a laugh in the puppet that was the first TV image that John Logie decided to record. And that drives everyone mad in 2023 when suddenly a giant satellite network from South Korea hooks up all of the internet and screens at the same time. It's basically the four drum beats heartbeat that goes into the Archangel network in season three. They even have an actual dance sequence where people are dying. So he dances to spice up your life, whereas the master did Here Come the Drums by Girls Aloud. Is this a veiled comment about the the nurse TikTok dances? I I doubt it. It's actually a veiled comment about Infowars. So the entire plot is how conspiracy theories and everyone thinking they're right is driving the world mad. Um, oh, yeah. Not joking. So I'll get onto that in a moment. But just because it revolves around unit again, they bring their wheelchair lady back from the first episode. You know, everyone's beloved character that can shoot rockets and darts out of it without flying backwards. Uh, and this time, um, Donna gets disability privilege checked. So it turns out that like pronoun checking wasn't that bad, but you get to experience this, this level of delightful cringe. That is the best news, Melanie. Hello. We'll catch up later. We haven't got time. I used to be like you. I was one of his companions. I wasn't the first redhead. No, that was me. Although I don't say companion. That sounds like we park him on the seafront at Western Supermare. <laughs> is Park rude? Borderline. What? Yeah. <laughs> I know. What are we watching? How, how could that possibly be rude as well? Because to, to describe parking a wheelchair seems strange anyway. They're just finding things to be perpetually offended about and then stick it in the script. And it's not even funny that she's offended. No. It's just a sort of constant reminder to police your own language to the viewers in case someone gets upset. Is that fragile? <laughs> There's nothing really to say about that, but it's like saying you, you, can't, you can't say the phrase let's roll because it's traumatic to wheelchair users because, you know, what if they have had an experience where they couldn't control their wheelchair on a hill? Limp Bizkit most affected. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's getting this so abstract real life. now. Like, this is just mental people in a room writing garbage. And paid, mm. like, literally millions to do so. Yeah. yeah. I'd be mentally ill for millions of, of pounds. <laughs> I'll, I'll pretend. Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being on crazy for on camera for, for money, they actually take a shot at the um, COVID vaccine conspiracy theorists, of which we, of course, are not I, I, boys. There's something about this as well. I don't know if it's getting you. Where it's like, I just don't want to hear about modern day stuff in yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm. I want to make up some fancy bollocks. It's escapism, isn't it? That's the whole point. It, it's like... Um, this isn't South Park. This isn't commentary on the world. It's, it's why I was so furious about the Rings of Power being so... It was digging up you know, Tolkien's corpse and inserting ideas that didn't belong. You know, it's, it's inserting aspects of modern politics in my escapism. It's like, no, this is what I do to get away from how horrible the modern world is. But the, but the point is, if you are not deriving your principles from reality, instead you have an ideology that needs to be transposed onto reality, and you need to get everyone to agree. And until everyone agrees, everything that everyone sees day to day must constitute a vehicle for the message, as the BBC's own review yeah. of the first special said. Otherwise, if even one person disagrees, your entire consensus reality falls apart. This is actually a, a, a trans writer said about this, Andrea Longchu. And the, the writer quoted Blanche from A Streetcar Named Desire saying that to be trans is to be reliant on the kindness of strangers, which is that you're so oh, worried. Doomed then, aren't they? Genuinely, there's an element of tragedy about it. You're so worried about someone misgendering you at all times that you're constantly on edge. And so everyone has to participate in your self image, fearing you having a tantrum. 
And that's what this is. That's what Russell T. Davies has turned Doctor Who is. Like all of society has become a toddler's tea party, right? You're gonna, you're all, you all have to pretend the tea is nice. Yeah, pretty it's much. there. Anyway, onto them bashing anti-vaxxers. Oh, what, what ends up happening is the giggle drives everyone mental. And so they get these like little weird friendship bracelets on their arms that stop you from getting attuned into the giggle. Little armbands. Little yeah. armband with a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What did Russell T. Davies mean by this? So there are now armband skeptics. They're like an anti-blockers or something. Anyway, I'll just play it. Busy day. Why do you want to know? I'm just asking. Is that a problem? It's an invasion of my privacy. In fact, it's an assault on my civic rights. And I think it's highly relevant that the person demanding information from me is an alien. Okay. No, 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 no. I think you'll find that I'm in charge here. And we've been infiltrated by aliens, by a man with two hearts, a man who changes his face and cannot be trusted. And you and her, both with red hair. What is this? Some sort of conspiracy. What are you hiding? And as for her in that chair, I've seen you walk. I've seen you walking. Don't deny it. No, you can't stop me. It's about time you heard the truth. Activate Z next. She was making some good points. <laughs> I'm sorry. She thought it was I'm weird sorry. that two people had red hair. <laughs> Great point. Shirley. I'm so sorry. Absolutely no need. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's transparent. Also, it's just painful to watch. The, the, the weird bracelet thing or whatever it is, the armband, um, isn't that just like a, a form of soma? Like she she's, takes it off and then starts being honest about what she thinks. They put it back on. Like, <laughs> this is how the government will control you. So you agree with me? Two people with red hair. Can't happen. <laughs> but but isn't that antithetical to their point that the, the government is just controlling people with the, the, the armband yeah, but don't you understand it's for their own good Josh oh right that's why it's okay the it's, greater good is it yes it's, it's for progress I think it's just poorly thought through even from the retarded writers <laughs> oh it's, like, it's painfully written yeah it's, it's not even well acted I mean look so they, they bring back the woman that used to do the you know the black lady newsreader that was in all the Russell T Davies episodes yeah. and they bring it back as Alex Jones can't you give everyone a Z-Dex Imagine trying that. They are using this to control us and monitor us and microwave our brains. Please just watch that. I happen. am anti Z-Dex. Good. <laughs> yeah. If if there was an armband that controlled my mind and my thoughts and behaviours, I'd be against it as well. And they're portraying this as bad. What what kind of defence of, of this writing? And the, the political subtext underneath they're trying to make here. I don't think they're thinking that coherently because they put all of their energy into the regeneration. So this is actually the regeneration episode. Neither of you have seen what happens, have you? I might have. Nope. Okay, well, well, strap in, fellas. This is quite a special moment where you get to see a brand new doctor. And he's not the only one. I can't even give this a preface. You just need to watch it. It's time. Here we go again. Remember how meaningful his last one was? CGI and music is just making this ridiculous as well. Oh, it gets worse. I don't see it.
Oh, wait. Could you pull? Could I what? Can you? What do you mean? Pull. Oh, oh. Just pull oh, each way. I don't know. Feels different this time. Ow! What? There was a black man inside him all along. What? No way. Siamese doctor, is it? You're me. Not me. <laughs> I think I'm really, really me. <laughs> I am completely me. <laughs> Don't just stand there. Push. Push. Does this work? I don't know. <laughs> 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 Wait, what? <laughs> so good! <laughs> now, someone tell me what the hell is going on here. Excuse me, sorry, but uh, how did that happen? By generation. <laughs> We're just making I things up now. I have by generated. There's no such thing. By generation is supposed to be a myth, but. <laughs> Look at me. She was more shocked by two yeah, redheads than didn't Mel. you? What do you think? I think you're beautiful. Why? <laughs> Still beautiful. Yeah. Do you come in a range of colours? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if I can interrupt. Please do, Neil Patrick Harris. Um, <laughs> did you notice a particular choice they made about his costume? Why is he wearing no trousers? Why is he in his pants? Is it just... It genuinely, we're just hiring perverts now. Is this, is it, seriously, actual question. Why did he need to be regenerated in his under, you know, he remains that way for the whole episode. Just in his pants, prancing about in, in London. Anyway, uh, Nerd Rotic decided to pause it on a particular scene. And I have to think this is intentional. It looks like they're slow dancing, touching tips. They literally regenerate from the nuts. <laughs> I, uh, really, Russell T. Davis, you need to make it that on the nose. Really? Like, very strange. <laughs> just, you know I mean, like, this is just so ridiculous. Yeah. It's not even killing the characters. You've made your own bullshit up. Yeah. So, if you want to get a preview of how the next Doctor is going to act, this is the this is the final clip I'll play. Um, there's now two Doctors, right? Turns out as well, Russell T Davies has. They're both gay. Yes. Oh, for fuck. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, why not? Why every not? single Doctor throughout all of time is now bi-generated retroactively, apparently. So, for some reason. This bi-generation happens, which means that every single former regeneration is a bi-generation. So I guess all of time, there's just another Doctor just sprouted out of it. So all the Doctors exist at once. That's not so, a problem. So touching tips with another, another fella or your, your um, racial alter ego somehow creates more people. Okay. Interesting. <sighs> they even have their socks on. Oh no, David Tennant doesn't have his socks on. That's why. Okay. Right, that makes perfect sense. So, Does it? this is what the new Doctor is gonna, is gonna be like, again, in his pants. Oh, so maybe... Hey, watch this, watch this, watch, 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 watch. Stand back, stand back. Run, that's it, Donna. Oh! Wish me luck. What for? We won the game. You get a prize, honey. 
That makes sense. I'm so sorry. That is completely nuts. <laughs> oh, look. Oh, that's not bad. Wheelchair accessible. <laughs> At last, you finally caught up with the 21st century. Yeah. That is really just like a... That's just piddling on its corpse. Why now. every three seconds they have to be like, she's disabled! <laughs> Did you know she's in a wheelchair? It's like, yeah. Don't care, mate. <laughs> Maybe it's for the blind viewers. We have to be inclusive. <laughs> I mean, I would have enjoyed it if I shut my eyes as well. Right, so, so he's insufferable. Everything's gay. The doctor now lives with Donna in her attic as the uncle of the trans daughter. And they're going to get a spin-off show, presumably. Can't wait to not watch that. But it, it could be all right, okay? There's, there's going to be a new Christmas special. There's going to be a new season of Doctor Who. Maybe they can save it. Do you want to see the villain? What are you talking about? Maybe they... What's to save? Well, okay, right. So, so at the end of the episode, <laughs> the toy maker, he loses a golden tooth. And for some reason, there's a god trapped in his tooth. Don't ask questions, right? And they have it so that the tooth gets picked up off screen by a mysterious hand, like in Flash Gordon or, again, with the master and his watch. So Rusty Davis is rehashing it. Now, the hand does like red nail varnish. Some think it's... Kate Lesbridge Stewart. So I thought it might be the Rani, the return of the Rani. You know, like you want to bring back old Doctor Who villains. So it turns out it might be the Trani instead, because this is the new Doctor Who villain. It's a drag queen from Rude Twelve's Drag Race. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's like they're going for bloody progressive bingo here, isn't it? Yeah. So this is Jinx Monsoon, no. who describes himself, herself. I actually. It's don't nice to get a. A villain in this series that's actually scary, at least. Yeah, it looks like Pennywise. Um, he described himself as Seattle's premier Jewish narcoleptic drag queen. I can only hope he falls asleep on set. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I, I can't explain. It. So Carl said a while back as well that he'd love for the propaganda machine for progressivism to just like go full hell forward. Yep. Just, just don't care. Just everything you can that would really annoy people, and he kind of got his wish. Yeah, it's just a shame it happened to Doctor Who, like. The best TV show of my childhood. Um, here's here's the, the famous Christmas specials, right? We enjoyed some of those. Here's the trailer for that. Um, he meets his new companion in a gay club. I'm not joking. He's dancing in a vest with his nips out in a gay club. He's gay! She's a cripple! <laughs> Learn lessons! I just want to watch something funny. And they fight this goblins. Is not funny. Which looks <laughs> dreadful. It doesn't even look like Doctor Who. <laughs> Every two minutes, mm. they just shout about some character's pointless... Aspect. Oh, and he's his sonic screwdriver as well. It isn't screwdriver? It's, dildo. <laughs> it looks like a vibrator. I'm not joking. You, you beat me to it, Callum. <laughs> actually, look. So it's it's this weird like curved crescent moon thing, moon thing that presumably buzzes and to Hitachi. Yes, yeah, dish, dishwasher right. safe. Um, <laughs> so a kilt as well. If this hasn't made you miserable, at least one Doctor Who member of the cast recognizes how dreadful this all, all is. Christopher Eccleston said, "I would only come back if we sack Russell T Davies." Well done. Yeah, well done, mate. This is why well I like, liked him the most. He was but uh, I was just like, it's, it's dumb. Yeah, he was at Q&A for the, for the Love of Sci-Fi Con with, with Billy Piper as well. And he said, and they, they asked, oh, we'd all love to see Chris Freckleson come back to the Doctor. What would have to happen to that, make that reality? And a direct quote, sack Russell T Davies, sack Jack Tranter, who's the executive producer, sack producer Phil Collinson, sack producer Jody Gardner, then I'll come back. And uh, <laughs> I think he speaks for all of us. 
I bet the next episode is I'm going to be rubbishing his history as well now. I don't even know his, his uh, politics, but maybe I don't know what his reasoning is for it. But Does it matter? I don't care. He's the only one that doesn't seem to have had head trauma from that entire era. Yeah. This isn't even political at this point. This is just, you guys are bad. Bad at making stuff. Yeah, I'm just going to go back mm. and watch old Matt Smith episodes. All right, well, I suppose we'll, uh, we'll move on. There you go. That utter retardation. You're welcome, boys. I was looking forward to that one. What a mess. What an absolute mess. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, I want to talk about the fact that it'll never be enough. And this is the message that you, you're the problem. And we have this every me? couple of months. It's yes. Me. <laughs> I am the problem. It's me. No, oh, God. <laughs> what you're going to do, is it me you're looking for? No. Oh, more, more Swifty stuff. But uh, sincerely, I mean, this story came out and this happens every couple of months, but I've never seen it more succinctly put that it is now a professional standard in the British economy that you need to go. Sorry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> because as you can see here, <sighs> non-diverse candidates are not hired without my sign-off, says Aviva boss Amanda Blanc. Uh, Miss, Miss White the, over here. The irony. Yeah, Miss White doesn't <laughs> want any whites. Uh, okay, right. Um, but this, okay, could just be taken as yet another story of like, you know, stupid, out-of-touch boomer executive is like, you know what the problem is? White men. So, man, that <laughs> ship sailed so many years ago. Why would a British lady talk with an American accent, Callum? Well, where else you get this ideology from? I mean, it's just, it's, I, don't, I hate to keep going on about it, but it is Kimberly Crenshaw's work. I mean, none of this has any relevance to the British Isles, which is why it's so weird to see the Irish Parliament sitting around being like, yes, we have white privilege here. It's just like, no, you don't. You're not even white. Sharp. You're Irish. But this story is, you know, could be taken as just that. But I think it's a perfect example of how this really is a professional standard. That if you're white or a man, you just have to go. And if you're both, oh, God, oh. you're just disgusting. Like, Find like your I favorite mug yeah. beg for pennies on the tube in the street. Yeah, because she says here, the reason she did all this is to stamp out sexism in the financial services industry, which um, it's obviously not just about sexism, is it? Because Miss White, the chief executive of Aviva, has said all senior white male recruits must get final sign-offs from her. Miss White who became Aviva's first female chief executive in 2020, told a parliamentary committee that there's no non-diverse hires at Aviva without being signed off by me and the chief people officer. Which again, I just hate that phrase, but... It sounds like... It sounds like bloody Cambodia or something, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, sorry, we're just not interested in having rightists within our movement. And, okay, that, I think, if I'm not being too hopeful about the past, 2012, I think you probably would have been hounded out of British politics or, you know, fired from your position in industry for that. But now she said that and there has been nothing that has happened. I, I She's wonder, keeping her job. I, well, I wonder if someone can bring uh, an Equality Act lawsuit against it. That's probably all they can do. Like we're literally using old progressive law against current progressive action. So we're still trapped in the progressive paradigm. But that's, that's the only way I can see her losing her position at this point. We could also, you know, spread the word that Aviva is actively anti-white man, at least. Yeah, um, I mean, don't have your pensions with them. Well, yeah, I, I would refuse to use them. Right. I think it, it I mean, would also luck. be useful to have people picketing outside, make a big deal out of it, because the the worst thing that... Being thought, white is all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it would be absolute murder to get all of this bad publicity for their, their investors, their shareholders, whatever. I don't know whether they're a publicly traded company. But either way, it will harm their, their business. We work with Nat Western Coots, but the only, the only thing is I was going to say is, well, don't bother paying to a pension at this point because none of us are going to be able to claim it anyway. I'm not 
paying into a pension. I, I literally can't afford it. So this is not financial advice. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, quote out of here, which is really funny, is they say this hearing in Parliament was part of a review into whether sexism in the city has improved since the previous review. I love that show. <laughs> no, but sort of evidently, yes, the sexism in the city has improved. Now that we're at the point of no men. You don't want any That's men. That's the remake we didn't know we needed. Yeah. Uh, Miss White suffered a torrent of sexist abuse. Now, this is her catalogue. It's why she's allowed to tell white men to get effed, is that she's a victim, you know. And therefore, she can punish all white men. She's a victim CEO. A victim CEO mm. of a massive amount of wealth. Okay. She's, uh, she suffered sexist abuse at a FTSE 100 company annual general meeting last year when an investor said that she was not the man for the job. Which is a bit yes, Minister. <laughs> we must always have the right to hire the best man for the job. Here, here, boys. But, okay. I don't care. I don't give a crap. It doesn't justify anything. You're still a terrible person who shouldn't have a job. It's also a turn of phrase. Didn't necessarily even have to be interpreted as sexist. No. It was, it, the guy was literally just saying you're bad at your job, which, I mean, you are, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done this. But she then goes on to whine about I was been victims of many sexisms. Uh, she says she flagged misogyny in the Welsh Rugby Union when she was a chairman there. She said that she heard a council member say, women should know their place in the kitchen and stick to the ironing. Men are the master race. I mean, I... And, and then everyone clapped. Yeah. That's, so, that's so absurd. It's either made up whole cloth or, or Andrew Tate. a joke. Mm. Like Andrew Tate is running the Welsh Rugby Union. <laughs> Sorry, who says men are the master race? <laughs> it just it's, doesn't it's happen. the male race as well. <laughs> it's, it was deliberately said to wind her up. I'm just mm. going to put money on it. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It sounds like she's a right pain in the ass. Well, exactly. You're so clearly unpleasant. You're a, you're an easily offended hen-pecking midwit. So of course people are going to try and push your buttons for fun. Because otherwise you're just going to make everyone miserable. You know the term lol cow? Yes. Vaguely. So it's when someone is um, so sensitive that you do the tiniest thing to them and they freak out and it's funny. Right, okay. So I get the impression that that's probably what happened there because imagine being that guy in the room. I mean, you are that is a guy who was shitposting. Who else just sits there with this woman who's known for tackling sexism and fighting her way to the top? And then you just go, men of the master race. <laughs> <laughs> He's just dressed as Ken with, the, with a big coat and both sunglasses. And why else are you doing it? So the immediate response to this story was that someone reported her for a hate crime to the police. <laughs> for all that's worth. But, Good idea. You know, it is there. It's I not going to go anywhere. This person... No. Did file a link here, so you can go and check it out. But um, oh, it doesn't work. <laughs> Unexpected error. Yeah, this is going to be wiped. They They're going to come and arrest us for even talking about it now, I imagine. But her herself, she ran away off of Twitter, as you can see. She protected her tweets and was like, "No, I'm, I'm sorry." Right? If you didn't, me. if you didn't want sexist stereotypes, your Twitter handle is Amanda's Shoes, and you've got shoes as your banner. I mean, if you were going to try and be really reductive about what women are going to spend all their money on. Yeah, I mean, she may as well just have. I really like shopping and, yeah. and cats, <laughs> pretty dresses. But she is not a person who is anywhere not near power, because as you can see here, His Majesty's Treasury made her the new Women in Finance champion to boost her efforts to reach talented women. Why does women. that exist? Yeah, it's obvious. Okay, why do any of these things ever exist? And it is money. I, miss, I, I want to return to the medieval version of a champion, where you just get the person best at fighting. Josh wants to live in Wakanda. The best women fighters will represent. <laughs> well, Wakanda has a government, so no. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, we were joking earlier because we were sat down waiting to go to lunch, and I can't remember who said, who said it, but someone said, you know, wouldn't it be funny if the feminist worldview of how the world actually works was true? Because think about how great Good Morning Britain would be if it was all just like women who looked as good as porn stars. 
presenting every segment. Everyone <laughs> was wearing like a weather girl dress from Sweden or something. <laughs> Callum, I think you've got coon brain. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Like they perceive that it's a man's world and we're yeah. keeping the women down. And it's just like, no, not really. Oh, grid girl nationalism, basically. <laughs> yeah. So we have a female women's champion, but it's the best at mud wrestling or something. It's just, just like... <laughs> It's just not something that really happens. Like, it's so delusional. Every Tory leadership contest is just fighting in a paddling pool with pillows. Yes. Uh, just, you know, everyone in their 90. Well, not the men, but there we are. So, but... <laughs> I don't know, this day and age. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing being, of course, the exact opposite is the real world case in which we have people in the professional aspects of industry, one of the biggest companies in this country, just saying, I'm not hiring white men, get lost. And then just getting away with it. Nothing happens. And the thing is, because this is industry standard, you're a white man, you don't belong in industry. That's the official position of every part of our economy. Unless well, it's deep sea fishing, the military. No, um, no, even the military. I mean, refuse the R- disposal. The RAF, remember, <coughs> don't give me useless white male pilots. Yeah. The uh, MI5 and MI6 um, fast track schemes and, and apprenticeships say that we only want BAME applicants, BBC. We will literally all be working in the sewers. To be fair, yeah. if, if you are working for like MI5 and you need to send a spy out to the Middle East, perfect cover would just be wearing a burqa, wouldn't it? No, so. clearly Lord Miles of Kabul. <laughs> he got further than any of the other British government agents, so just so, hire your autistic white man. We need to put Miles in a burqa, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> no, he's actually got a good point, which is if you want to set up a spy ring to where, you know, infiltrate the governments of the Middle East, literally just have some really charismatic Lord of, um, <laughs> Lord of Lawrence of Arabia types, yep. just send them all in to make friends. But anyway, <laughs> my, my point, I think, can be de- perfectly demonstrated by if you just look at Aviva for five minutes, because this story did blow up and went through the usual circles. But there we are. So let's start with this. Um, yes, there are more women working there than men. So that gender gap thing. Okay, whatever. But they do exact actually um, go here. Um, this is the UK pay gap report. I think you will like... do this personally, do they? Yeah, they, they, they decided um, this was our time. But, but it's all part of the but it's part of the Equality Act legislation. You actually have to collect this data and work to actually minimize it. Otherwise, under section, I think it's clauses 168, 169, you're liable to lawsuits. You'd be shot with an arrow at 50 paces, yeah. as is tradition. But didn't the EU have an official position that the pay gap is just basically a conspiracy theory? It's the mother Even gap. the EU. Yeah. Because you can see here, of course, women are underrepresented at the very top of earners in uh, Aviva's own statistics, and that's the justification. But I kind of find that funny that even with every aspect of communist-style price controls in the job market, you're still massively underrepresented. And it's like, okay. In fact, you can see the pay gap here being, what, 25%? It's like, you literally work for a company who the head is some communist weirdo who wants everything to be the same because race and gender communism. I mean, they go on in here as well, the race aspect, in case you're wondering, which is exactly the same thing as going out, except that if you're brown, you're more likely to be at the top than at the bottom, which is weird. Strange that. I'm sure it's very meritocratic at Aviva, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's just obvious that the entire job market in the UK <laughs> is communist controls on race and gender. But again, the, the framing is percentage of employees receiving a bonus. White, ethnically diverse. It is mm. the, the ummah of the diversity. The yukmagamers. Yeah. Any, anyone who is even slightly pale on the color swatch <laughs> is in the capital W white category. And then the rest of the world are against them. Yeah. For people who don't know what Yukum Gamers are, because we haven't actually used that in a while. No, we so. haven't. I've, I've kind of missed that. Because we have the term, uh, so in America, what do they say? They usually say black, Hispanic, something like that, right? That's their categories. White and, and in the U- UK, we went with BAME, which means black, Asian, minority, ethnic. And then they were like, bit racist, saying the phrase that we made up. <laughs> so let's make up a new one. And they went with United Kingdom, minority, ethnic, or global majority uh, heritage. Majority heritage. Which I mean, just doesn't make any sense, but whatever. 
But you can see here, if you're brown, you actually get favorable terms in payment of 24% on average there. So, okay. Your melanin bonus, didn't you know? <laughs> yeah, well, you get a, a quarter melanin bonus. Do you have to roll a 20 for that? <laughs> I think in the bonuses, you only get 10%, actually. It's your, it's your general salary that's 25% higher. So, there's that. Okay. So, that doesn't even... Like, we know this, this organization is running on the terms that it advocates. And you could see it in just any old statement they make. Like, here's the uh, diversity and equality and inclusion bollocks, which you can read in your own time. It's unbearable. But the funniest one being, because every company actually did this, their Black Lives Matter statements, which is just full of absolute madness. And Can of you course, control F for the word George Floyd, please, because I oh, guarantee it's in there. It is there. Of course it's there. Because of George Floyd, white men must die, <laughs> says Britain, <laughs> for some reason. Fentanyl has a lot to answer for here. Yeah. Uh, she writes in here that Black Lives Matter is a call to action, and we need to all play a role in building a fairer, more just world. That's a funny way of saying grift. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that is going to be a theme for this. I mean, why does any of this actually exist fundamentally? It's because people are making money off it. Oh, yeah, CSGs. I mean, for um, I watched H. Bomber Guy's video recently about uh, uh, copyright. And there's some stuff in there, obviously, H. Bomber Guy is going to be left as retarded at times. But one point I really liked that he made, which is he went to this uh, YouTuber who, who just fell off a cliff and found that all of her videos she was just stealing from other sources and then saying, I said this, and it just wasn't the case. But... Every one of the people we actually investigated, like every single time, it's just because I can shove an ad read in there. I can get ad revenue off this thing. So they just produce content. And the same is entirely true of the diversity industry. I've made more diversity content. And therefore, you get paid money from Aviva here. I mean, lots of money as well, as we shall see. Well, I, I spoke to someone who's in ESG reporting, and they said actually the smaller firms dedicate a large portion of their scarce resources towards ESG reporting so that they can get higher amounts of subsidies proportionate to their overheads to compete with the larger ones like Barclays. Like Barclays, for all of their diversity signaling and, and sponsoring pride, they don't do as detailed metrics as some local building society. And so, yeah, it's just a fast track up the, up the ladder. It's what you reported on Dawn Butler saying like a year and a half ago, saying that she wants to turn the career escalator into a career elevator for black women and all the like. It's well, the same with the, the woke building societies. They literally did it because, as you can see, she lists how they're doing it. She says she's audited our recruiters to make sure they're using inclusive practices. For some hires, we continue to use search partners who specialize in diverse talent. Unlike the undiverse ones, we need to go. We continue to promote our job opportunities through broader external recruitment channels that are more effective in reaching black talent. This reads like Calvin Candy in Django Unchained. <laughs> We need more black talent on a plantation. <laughs> They've also oh, introduced Lord. a license to hire training so that all of our manager and recruiters get extra diversity training before they hire new colleagues. So if you have been indoctrinated, then you're allowed to go out and hire. You get a license to hire. Um, these, these recruiting agencies, I, I don't know if you were ever, because we went to the same uni, if you ever got the post-university graduate scheme emails and they just list a bunch of job opportunities for you, so they just automatically signed you up to them. And anytime I looked on it, it was always, um, we favor or only yeah. ethnic minority, disabled, neurodivergent, and female candidates. Are you black? One of my I favorite versions of that, <laughs> a bit of a tangent, is that there was a misspelling of DEI it was die. Yeah. And it looked it looked like one of your options was to die. <laughs> after you leave. Well, that is for civilization. Yeah, it certainly can. Uh, they also say they're committed to having at least one ethnically diverse member on the Aviva PLC board by the end of 2021. To that aim, we have announced the appointment of Mohit Joshi 
as a non-executive yeah. director. Ah, we have a house band, boys. Well, hang on, non as well, non-executive director. Does he just sit in the corner in a dunce cap and just get final say on everything? Oh, he doesn't give a say. He's non-executive. He's literally a house bame. We have put one of the bames in the corner. Oh. Look, boys, we've got one. Okay, Aviva? Like, what, what, don't you do pensions? Aren't you meant to be investing my money to make more money? No, you, you, you're too busy being like, I own a black person. Okay. The funny thing is, <laughs> pension funds at the minute are doing terribly. In fact, some of them are losing money rather than gaining it, which is the entire reason for their existence. That's because they're doing this impact investment stuff. Of course, yeah. Why. Funny that if you prioritize things other than profit, you mysteriously make less profit. So, uh, right, Milton Friedman. Joshi's salary over there to be non-executive director, I mean, that's a, a drain. But they also decided to run quarterly safe space sessions for black colleagues to help them with external experts. But uh, safe space, what, so working, sure what working at Aviva is so traumatic. Yes, they have to it sounds therapy. like it, yeah. Like, I'm not really sure what they're going to do exactly. Like, if you're black and you work for Aviva, we're going to bring in an expert in you being a black. <laughs> black experts. I, I don't know how, what's the qualification for that? He knows everything about them. I've been black my whole, well, most of my life. No, 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 you've got to have a degree in being black. He's black, y'all. <laughs> and then he comes in and, and you and him hang out and he goes, this is what it's like to be black. And you go, I know. And then... You all high five get, and... Yeah, you both get paid. Oh, I suppose that's good. <laughs> is, it like that, is it like that, um, is it Ice Cube or Ice T did that reality show where he takes a white family and puts them in blackface and a black family puts them in whiteface and have them live each other's lives? I've <laughs> never happen. heard about this. I have I heard not. about it, but it would never happen today, would it? You, you, you would love to do a premium segment on it, trust me. I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> so they also say they've piloted the Brave Race Conversation Workshop and provided safe spaces for teams of Aviva investors to discuss race-related issues, which... I'm sure this is very important for yeah. investment. Which it? one they hate the most? I they, mean, what do you even talk about? Well, that's obvious, isn't it? They've all... St <laughs> they were just sitting around like, yeah, you, I, I really hate the Asians. Well, me, I hate the whites. Yeah, whites, am I right? Yeah. They also took part in what sounds like a CCP initiative, the 10,000 Black Interns <laughs> movement. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, they, they, you wonder what that is? It's these guys. It's, it's, a, it's a website where they're just like, we will get 10,000 Black Interns within a year. I, I don't know. It's like Mr. Waternoose. It's like, <laughs> I'll have 10,000 black interns before I let this company die. Yeah, literally. And they, they list a, a bunch. It's like, look at them. Ah, Wait, hang see? on a minute. Scroll up. Look at, our, look at our blacks. She's on the left there. She's black. No. She is a black woman. Wait a minute. She's as black as you or me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they're, they're very proud of this. In case you're wondering um, why, uh, again, money. Uh, there's just, there's lots, of, yep. lots of money in this for the people running it because why wouldn't there be? What, what else is the point in showing off local black man, <laughs> Ali Chowdhury, who is... That can't be... Chowdhury. <laughs> Everyone knows that black people have ginger hair. <laughs> now... That man is playing the game, if ever I... We, we have given some advice previously <laughs> that if you are a ginger white man, you might consider, you know, not filling in those boxes and ticking the other boxes. <laughs> Hello, gold tier subscriber. <laughs> You're my man, Ali. <laughs> anyway, let's go and see if we can find any more. I don't know. Okay, it's just Ali over here, who is um I wanna I wanna read his story now, to be honest. And he's just like, I'm black, <laughs> y'all. This random guy. <laughs> I think the opportunity to present myself for the bespoke scheme as an experience in a dream career. He's always dreamed of being black. <laughs> Good companies welcome diversity and inclusion, such as Ali. Yeah, okay. Mr. Chaudhry over here. Oh, that is brilliant. But anyway, of course, these people are making money off the whole thing. You can actually check out the guy running it. 
which is uh, this fella, David or David Conaty Ahuli. Anyway, Ahulu. he used to get paid to actually work for the prime minister's office. Listen, oh, shock! Of course, it does. It's amazing how these incredibly rich, connected people keep getting rich and connected off grifting. February 2022 to 2023. So that's it's almost like they, yeah. they're, they're getting this tax money off of people and then it's just put on the table for lots of people to steal, isn't it? Well, they also, uh, Viva say they enrolled six colleagues into the in-circle mentoring program run by hashtag talk about black. Some more people stealing uh, money. I, I, just, I don't know what... Is that, that a hashtag created by a certain clan in the US? Is that Dylan Mulvaney there? <laughs> it's a slightly whiter version. It's the dimension of die. Okay. Oh, like... It's it's it, again like someone got paid to make this website. Someone got paid for all of these different uh, connections they've made, and then all the checks they get from all the organizations. I mean, at the bottom, actually, it's, are those real people or are those stock photos of black people? Like, I'm not that, really sure. That, I thought that that was is that Tariq Nasheed? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the Venn diagram between like WEF style pub, um, profile photos and stock photos is just a circle. Yeah, mm. you can see here the city of London. So yes, I mean they are still city like, hive. Blackrock are in here somewhere. I, I forget. I wouldn't but, State yeah. Street, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it goes on and on and on. And and there we are. Money. But back to the commie list because I, I just the end of this is just brilliant. Where they say they're going to start bla mentoring black colleagues. They don't tell me about what. So just let you imagine. Yeah, why, why specifically do they need? To be observed. Well, this, this is how you change the battery in a smoke alarm. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, uh, we spoke about this before, I remember ages ago. It was like, because potentially you can have a white mentor for a black colleague. So then it's just like, ah, we got you one of these to take care of you. And it's just some white woman who's like, hello. That is usually what happens, actually. That's, yeah. You know, having a mentor for a new start is sometimes normal, right? But because specifically he's black. For, for. Only for the blacks. <laughs> we need masters oh, for the <laughs> They also have mandatory anti racism training. After telling us that all the blacks need mentors. Right, okay. So they appoint you someone who's probably going to be racist towards you to the extent we need to train them out of it. And then we give them to you because you're black, not because you're incompetent. Yeah. Um, David from earlier, uh, he's getting a position in which he hosts an annual inclusion and diversity training uh, event. So there we are, some more money for him. Uh, there's also webinars hosted by the Diversity Practice on Race. Some more people just stealing money from them your pensions. And they've also appointed two independent external experts on black people to advise them on black people. Which you get, I mean, just why? Why does any of this exist? It's to steal money. What else? I mean, they literally list it afterwards saying they've awarded 4.1 million pounds into donating to, well, this sounds good, the Red Cross and COVID-19 Hardship Fund. That sounds fine. The Red Cross have been doing some weird subversive stuff recently. Well, they mm. promised that that money will actually be given to brown communities. Over 70% of these donations benefited ethnically diverse communities. So they gave the money to the Red Cross and went, don't be helping any white people now, you hear? Well, they're just airdropping <laughs> cash pallets into Tower Hamlets. It's just like, what do you do if you're the Red Cross? I mean, you're going to take the money. Yeah. But you're just going to be like, well, that was a weird request. <laughs> so they go on. They also say they donated 15% of their fund nominations to diverse and ethnic minority communities, which again, not going to tell us how. <sighs> bro. They say they also, we continue to honor our pledge to the Black North Initiative. Sounds like a threat. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> By committing to the removal of systemic barriers that negatively affect the lives of black Canadians. Uh, are those systemic barriers just white people, are they? I, I presume so, because I, I didn't hear about the, the massive black Canadian population that were oppressed by pensions. But there we are. never guess what? There's, there's this thing that falls in the land in Canada. It turns it all white. 
yeah. it's cold and, and black people don't like it. And but of all the things, like British companies giving money to black Canadians. Why? Just, just why? They'd rather give it to black Canadians than white British, by the sounds of yeah. it. And then we also get the... Uh, oh, the there cross. we go. Since George Floyd I'll take it off died. of my bingo card. Yeah. Say the words, Bart. And there's loads more of that. And it goes on. I mean, this is just a Pensions Management Institute page where they're just talking about all the other crap they're proposing. There's an extra 5% of their donations going to black people because, I don't know, just massive white guilt. I don't really know what's wrong with this woman because she's the one running the place. And this isn't even new either. Like the, the insane levels of we will remove white people and that's our stated goal. And the reason for that being BLM is just doubly mad. Of course, now that we've we're over the BLM era. Mm. Like we have all the receipts. I mean, the Mail Online here with the website in which they said that they support the white, uh, the nuclear family. They won't destroy the nuclear family. My apologies, yes. They wanted to destroy the nuclear family and then deleted it once everyone realized. I mean, there's the, the tabs that were deleted, but the original yeah, the, page... The trained there. Marxists that set it up and they bragged about that as well. And then stole loads of money and then now... Well, uh, they were trained correctly also supporting, in Marxism then. Supporting Hamas. Yep. Yeah. Just, okay. Um, immediately after the October the 7th massacre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of their supporters, I mean, you can see here... Black Lives Matter grassroots support all this, and then the same woman was the one who was like, "What did you think the colonization meant?" Well, that's what I was saying about the, the Red Cross. They've set up some of their stations in the Palestinian hospitals, which are also the weapons depots. Well, they've got to give money to diverse communities. Yeah, I quite. think gave them it. Yeah, your pension is funding Palestinian RPGs. <laughs> <laughs> we gave money to the black community. Yeah, I mean, you could buy them RPGs. That is still giving money to the brown community. Like, can I write off donations to Hamas as a tax benefit? Is that? <laughs> Not in the UK, you can't, because they're a prescribed uh, terrorist yeah. group. No, 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 but if I, if I run it through the Red Cross... <laughs> I mean, I'm just Actually, saying, technically, you probably can't. No, well, uh, yeah, probably. I just imagine... I mean, to end on the, my point, which is that, obviously, decolonization means your removal. Equality means diverse domination. I mean, this is the explicit position of the British economy. And the fact that nothing has happened to this woman is that proof, if nothing else. But, I mean, to make a prediction because I've just thought of it, a year from now, are we going to find a bunch of DEI initiatives who are actually funding the next ISIS? It's just like, we gave money to the black and brown community of northern Iraq. It's just like, uh, don't, don't, don't say what they did. We gave anti-air missiles to the Kurds. <laughs> but anyway, there we are. Nothing literally will ever be enough for these people. There is no end goal in which you can finally be at peace with the die movement. The, the, the clue is in the name. They literally just want you to die. On that. Anyway, video comments. Video comment time. Uh-oh. Enjoy. Oh. Killing something. So <laughs> let me bad. get this straight. Switch. What the kitty? Grand Theft Auto oh. 6 is going to feature a bunch of minorities being homicidal maniacs and committing crimes. I'm going to be honest, that sounds more like something the fabled alt-right extremists would come up with. I mean, true. That is a lovely cat as well. And... I've never seen a light bulb that works like that as well, where it's, it's like a handheld torch almost. <laughs> it's just blowing my mind a little that's, bit. That's, that's, yeah, it's how a torch works, Josh. It doesn't <laughs> necessarily to have to be. You know, it's, it's, it's more that it's a light bulb. It goes in the ceiling, Connor. And you, you hold no, it I think, it I think it's like... a torch that's meant to look like a light bulb. Well, I figured that much out, yeah. <laughs> He's not retarded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised that it exists. That's all. All right, let's go, let's go to the next one. Uh, 
Hey guys, just want to thank the people that actually voted. It's quite surreal. And thanks to the person that actually reviewed it. Yes. <laughs> thanks for putting it with a cringe. It's free with on Prime. I, okay, that was an advert. So there we are. Yeah, <laughs> congrats on selling a book. But um, your your speech was a lot quieter than the clapping in the background, so I couldn't really hear very much of what you were saying, unfortunately. I can't well, wait for the uh, audio levels on the audiobook. Let's written, not written, let's move to the... Uh, let's write box. some comments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll start off with the, the politics one. Oh yeah, that's me, isn't it? I, I forgot that I'm actually on this podcast. Oh, um, how am I? That's all right. I was going to lasso it. So, um, Sophie Liv says, It's funny, isn't it? When I say, while the Egyptians were building the pyramids and mapping the stars, Europe was um, populated by weird pale monkey men <laughs> who, who was still figuring out fire, nobody is offended. It's accurate. 5,000 years ago, Egypt was building pyramids and there was no civilization in Europe, just hairy prehistoric Stone Age men. Yes, we had discovered fire, though. Um, sorry to be a pedant. I'm going to tip my imaginary fedora. Um, but if I say anything similar about sub-Saharan African later in history, that's offensive. Yes, um, I, I do like bringing up the fact that there were tribes in Africa at the time of um, Africa's colonization that had not yet discovered the wheel. Um, that's uh, worth bearing in mind. Um, the Crusader. What would World War Three mean for investors? Seriously, there won't be investors in World War Three. Yes, of course, um, because that's a conflict that is doomed to go nuclear if we actually allow it to start in the first place, and nobody wins nuclear Armageddon. These people are certifiably insane. Um, edit, Callum pointed out the same thing a second after I resumed the video. Edit two, Connor has a good point about long-term conflicts generating continual profit, but let's not forget we're dealing with insane psychopaths at places like the WEF who legitimately think they can reduce the population with limited nuclear exchange. Mm. Delusional and insane, not a good combo. There are two places that are poised to win the nuclear war. Because, Antarctica? Well, they're the only two that survive, which is New Zealand and Argentina. All right, well, with, um, what's his name? Javier Millet. That's yeah. looking awfully desirable. I'm going to flee to Argentina because of persecution. That makes me sound awfully mid-century, doesn't it? Um, Ethelstan95 says, um, I'm going to read yeah, just one more. Um, the UK beast being a term applied across groups demonstrates that intersectionalists are so used to preferential treatment that their equal treatment feels like oppression. Also implicit in it is that they think that it actually fits as a description of black women, which is kind of amusing to me. But anyway, on to the Doctor Who. I mean, they are forgiven because Nella is ugly. Blimey, looks like back end of bus. Anyway, so JJHW, Callum has been through the five stages of grief over Doctor Who. Yes. Acceptance. Yes, yes. Uh, George Hap, I'm not a Doctor Who fan, but race swapping Isaac Newton, arguably the greatest scientist of all time, was such ugly disrespect that genuinely annoyed me. Sure about science fiction undermines the very people who built a vast proportion of the modern knowledge. The BBC must be destroyed. Uh, North FC Zuma, everyone knows Isaac Newton came over on a dinghy, as all of our doctors and engineers also did. <laughs> Uh, Omar Awad politics has become a parody because it's too far removed from consequences I think this is for yours if they were held even slightly to the same standards as any of their favourite hate figures they melt down about the injustice immediately um, free will Doctor Who died after Tennant's first run no Matt Smith was really good the writing on the show went downhill after he was very good I don't agree oh, go on why not I just don't like him <laughs> there's not much to argue not racist about. just don't like him there, there, was some, there were some great episodes in the Amy and Rory era and the River Song stuff was really good they were. I just don't like him, that's all. <laughs> Not racist, just don't like him. In the 70s... He's a white guy, by the way. Yeah, despite low-budget effects, there was a golden age of John Pertwee and Tom Baker. 
Sure. The reason was excellent storytelling overcoming the budgetary limitations of the program. These days we have the opposite. Bad preachy stories presented with all the SFX that modern tech can deploy. But even the SFX is just terrible. I mean, it's reached the point where you've got like, visual effects designers on budget crunch, but everything is also on a soundstage, so it all just looks uncanny valley and inauthentic. There's a bit where like David Tennant and, and um, Catherine Tate's doppelgangers melt like their arms get longer and they turn into puddles and they do like a crab walk and their head go through their legs and you can just see it's been 1990s style transposed onto thin air just looks rubbish it's everything though, isn't it? even the audio is kind of crap yeah tinny it was the same in Black Panther like Harry was sitting there because he understands music you'd have the same frustration there's a weird sort of whine and echo like you've got permanent tinnitus just because the audio mixing is terrible it just doesn't go with certain set of speakers but they put it out in the cinema with that level of it's funny how even cinematic things are now to the point where even the audio mixing is rushed and bad. It's because they've got diversity hires staffing everything. <laughs> Genuinely, I'm, I'm prices of competence. Yeah, isn't it? Probably hired a deaf person for the audio department. They're just kind of huh? going by vibe. Let's see. I'm not falling for that. <laughs> anyway, Callum, go for it. Oh, so um, someone says he works at Aviva. Uh, Ron Swanson, in fact. Sorry to hear that. Ron Swanson, and he says, uh, "Trust me, the rot runs deep." Unfortunately, Aviva isn't the only company infested with this nonsense. And having mates who work for other competitors, I know that it's everywhere. I've been raked over the coals for negatively reviewing our mandatory diversity training through a struggle session from our diversity inclusion officer. Glad that my boss is a proper northern bloke who can tell he thinks that it's all utter bollocks. So he doesn't push any of this uh, on us very hard. Yeah, I mean, I, um, we get messages endlessly from people who work in various parts of the economy. Where it's uh, you know for the transport system or and then working video game development or some shit, and they always run into the same thing, which is this stuff. And then it's just mental. Like nothing about it is even well intentioned anymore. It is utterly hostile on the face, which is we just don't like white men. You just have to go. But there's not even a, a face of like, oh, this is for a fairer world. There's like you read one page down and it's just like we're giving all our money to black Canadians. This is why I just don't care about the idea of repressive tolerance. It's like, yeah, sure, okay, you can give it an academic name. This is where they try and justify it. But this is just trying to legitimize the one way standard that they want to cross their enemies with with some sort of jargon. Like it, it, they didn't get the idea from there. They just hate white people want to destroy you. It doesn't matter what label you apply to it. Yeah. So a base tape says, women in finance champion, Afuera, which I think we can all agree with. Mm. Why does that even exist? Yeah. And JJHW, which is what I'll leave this on, uh, says, it's okay to be white. I agree. I, I sincerely made the prediction when we first dealt with that being investigated by the police, which is that it's a civil rights call at this point, and um, I stand by it. It is. Yeah, anyway, it's not bad. On that note, we are out of time. So if you'd uh, like more, go to the website. If you don't, don't. Bye-bye. <laughs> 